Welcome to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in. We pray that the following message will help you connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and others. This church may be in transition, but our God is not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, and he will be faithful to see us through the next days of this church. Amen. So, well, if you have your Bible, get to it with me. If you don't, that's fine. It's going to be on the thing. Um, I want to do something different. I did it in the first service. I thought it was dope. I'm going to do it in the service also. Um, and what I want us to do this day is to stand up and read aloud the reading of Scripture. And the reason I want to do this is because I want us to all understand that just not when we're singing and not only when we're giving, but reading Holy Scripture is an act of worship. And I want us to remember that as we go through the rest of our lives. So if you don't mind standing and reading with me, verses Luke 10, 3 through 38 through 42. Luke 10, 38 through 42. We're going to do it. It's going to be all right. I promise. While Jesus and his disciples were traveling, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his message. By contrast, Martha was preoccupied with getting ready for their meal. So Martha came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to prepare the table all by myself? Tell her to help me. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part. It won't be taken away from her. Amen. You can be seated. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for this moment. We thank you for scripture. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We know that when two are gathered that you are in the midst. So we welcome you. And we thank you for being here. Help us to understand that this sermon is for everybody. Not just Eric But for everybody listening, help us not to dissociate ourselves with the truths that are about to come that you'll provide in this moment. Help Eric to remember that you are doing the work, that it's only my job to speak as you give, and to trust that you will hide your truths in the heart of your children. We trust you, and we love you, and we thank you that we will not leave in the same way that we came, that the future is not a mystery to you that something beautiful will happen today if we remember to keep better things first. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So here we have Mary and Martha entertaining arguably the most influential person of this entire world time. And uh, Martha seems to be doing all the work. Um, when I think of this, I think of my mom, and I think of her getting ready to host my grandmothers and everybody for Thanksgiving, and she's doing all this work, cleaning the carpets, doing the dishes, and me and my dad, like, watching football and uh, hanging out. Um, but Mary wasn't just watching football. She was seated at the feet of Jesus. This is interesting because when we think about this visual of being seated 
at the feet of somebody during this time, during this Greek culture, what would happen is, is they were becoming students of the person speaking. They were learning and they were gaining information during this time. What's also interesting is she had made this decision to do this knowing full well that women during this time weren't allowed to learn Torah classically. All of the information and all of the lessons that they gleaned were from their husbands and the husband's learning. Women weren't even allowed to pray openly in the temples at this time. So the fact that she built up enough audacity to go sit at the feet of the teacher as though she was learning meant something. And Jesus understood it. Mary didn't get it that much, and some of Martha didn't get it that much. But Mary understood something was happening when she listened to the feet of Jesus. So it's a blessing that this story teaches us that it's more important to sit at the feet of the master than to hold on to conventions. So let's continue to go forward. This story reminds me a lot of my grandmother, Medea. She was a Medea in every sense. Not Tyler's Medea, but um, very similar. Um, she, she knew how to get stuff done. Um, and uh, Miss Katie Mae Patterson was her name. And she was the apple of my eye for a long time. Um, and they lived in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm from Huntsville, Alabama. Some of you know that. I'm from Huntsville, the best city in Alabama. Uh, yeah, I said it. And uh, it's, it's awesome. But we used to go down to Birmingham for the holidays and all this fun stuff. All of our cousins would be there and aunts and uncles. And it would be just a blast. My grandmother would make just awesome feasts. She's an old country black woman. So she knew how to throw down. Right? It would be grits, uh, fat back, uh, homemade biscuits, cinnamon rolls, peach and prayer pear preserves, and all this stuff. And what was good for Eric is she would let us have seconds, even when Mama said no. So uh, she was my lady walking or riding because she was always going to feed her boys. Um, but as I got older, I realized she didn't make the feasts as often as she did when I was younger. Uh, as I got older, I saw her more sitting down and talking with the family and listening. And uh, we would talk about stories. We would talk about the family history. And we would learn from her, and she would learn more about us. And it was in that moment, I realized, although the food was good, her sitting with us was better. Because we were learning, and she was learning. So I have a few takeaways for the believers from the story. This story is an amazing story. It's been used so many times to talk about the inward change and all this good stuff. But I also have a few things that I think we uh, really need to lift up from the scripture. And the first one is this. First one is this. Too much focus on good things leads us to miss better things. Again, too much focus on good things leads us to miss better things. Jesus was in the house of Mary and Martha. Martha was doing a good thing. She was making sure that Jesus was taken care of. 
She was doing a great job being an amazing hostess, making sure that everything was right, the food was warm, the wine was flowing, or juice, I know how we are, juice was flowing, right? But all that sort of stuff was happening at that time, and she was doing this amazing work, but in her working and in her daily chores, she was missing Jesus. She was missing Jesus. But let's not be too quick to judge Martha at this time, because how many of us can be Marthas in our own lives? We'll choose good things and miss the better things. We'll choose uh, spending time at work and loving our jobs and working from home and doing all these amazing things and checking emails in the bedroom and going to sleep and whenever we get a chance, but we're missing our family. We're missing those bonding moments. And with our family, sometimes we spend all this time at sporting events and all these different recitals to make sure that our kids are growing up creatively and getting these American amazing features. Oh, that was a Freudian slip. These amazing features in their life so they can be good and productive students and good people, but we don't spend that time teaching them about who Jesus is. We get home late from ball games at 11 o'clock and we don't have time for Bible study. We have to make sure we don't miss God things for good things. Second thing is this. Second takeaway is this. It can be very hard to break habits even when Jesus is involved. Even when Jesus is involved, it's still a very hard thing to do is to break habits. When we think about Martha having the savior of the world, somebody she knew was special, rabbi, was here, the rabbi of all rabbis, the teacher of all teachers, in her home, seated, and she wasn't paying attention to him. It has to do with the fact that she was so focused on these daily tasks that she's been giving since she was a child. She knew how to hold a house. She knew how to um, welcome people and how to serve and all these things. But she couldn't get past serving. She couldn't get past the monotony. She couldn't get past the man-made conventions and see who was there with her the entirety of the time. Be careful in this, because there have been too many times where we have come to church knowing full well that when two or more are gathered, somehow God is here, and we are in the presence of the Lord and our Savior, and he's teaching us, and he's admonishing us, and somehow we know better, but we still don't do better. Understanding that it's difficult to make changes even when our Lord and Savior is involved. We have to understand how to trust God and how to prioritize the word of the Lord over what's going on around us. Third thing, third thing for the individual is there are many good things, but only one thing is necessary. There are many good things, good things, but only one thing is necessary. This is a tough one for a lot of people because... um, We've talked about this in a different way in culture, but it needs to be one biblical, theological, coherent thought. And what this means is, well, what it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that God is going to do everything for you just because everything's necessary. God requires of you to do what he's enabled you to do. 
Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. Eric liked to eat. Everybody know me? Anybody knows how much I love Miss uh, Karen's banana pudding and strawberry cakes? Know that we got to do a little bit of something. What they are trying to say, what Jesus is truly highlighting, can be found in 1 Peter. It says, thus, all human life on earth is like grass. And all human glory is like a flower in a field. The grass dries up and its flower falls off. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Mary understood this truth. Instead of doing all these other things, she understood that listening at the feet of the Savior would be more important in the long term than cleaning up and making sure that he gets all the fish he needs. Because at one point in time, she won't be able to do all the work that she used to do. She'll get older, she'll age, and her body won't work in the same way, so she won't be able to prepare the big feasts. She won't be able to do all of the dishes. She won't be able to serve the brisket and the baklava and all that amazing stuff. But what she will have for the rest of her life is what the Lord told her the day she sat at his feet. The word of the Lord endures forever. So, now that we focused on some stuff about the individuals, let's talk about some important decisions and choices that the church universal, as well as Palmetto, needs to make in order to make sure that we're prioritizing God things over good things. So, the first one is this. The church, church must choose Christ over culture. Christ over culture. Culture is a good and beautiful thing. I am not of the belief that everything man-made is evil. I believe that God endowed people with an amazing capability and qualities um, for creativity and a beautiful capacity to love that are all divine and from him. We are indeed the Imago Dei. We are the image of God. Therefore, we have beautiful songs, amazing movies, Poetry that moves us beyond ourselves and music that's so soul-stirring that we'll end up crying in our seats. We also have SEC football, thank God. Right? It's one of, out of all the things I listed, may be the most important thing. But the issue with this is, within culture, we have the idea that we can fix the problems recreated which is problematic. I believe that people are trying to move towards good. Society is trying to figure things out. We've had issues with how we've treated women, how we've treated minorities, and how we've treated people who don't ascend to the same ideals that we do, and we're trying to fix it. The problem is, in searching for good, we're missing God. In our search for good, we seem to be missing God. Society is trying to do good things, but we need to be focused on God things. And let me say it this way. Scripture says that there is a way that seems right to man, that makes sense, right? We are doing our best to make sense of the situation, and these things seem right. However, they lead to death. When God is out of the decision-making process, nothing good can happen. For if we believe that Jesus and God, the triune God, is the only good thing, only good 
comes from God. If we are going with the idea of causality, only God causes good. So we can't make this thing happen on its own. We can't make the changes to make things good. God is the only good thing in the universe and therefore is the only one who has the ability to make things good. So therefore, the church must find herself not necessarily culturally removed, but centered truthfully and located within the hope of Scripture and of a risen Christ. Therefore, we will find the better things. Second, the church must choose tradition, truth, truth over tradition. I'll say it again. The church must choose truth over tradition. Tradition is great. Uh, it was so funny in the first service because I was like, y'all the traditional service. I get it. I see what's happening. Please don't be offended. But tradition is awesome. Hymns of the church are good. The way we've been doing things are good. But the thing that's most important is the truth that's found in the traditions. If our traditions are not leading people to Christ, what good is it? Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. He also says that the hour cometh and now is that those who are true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus is more focused on truth than he is traditions. Read your Bibles. Jesus was a cut up back in his day, right? So make sure that our truth, our truth trumps whatever traditions we have. This doesn't mean that we must get rid of traditions. What it does mean is that we need to make sure that we are looking to make sure that our traditions are focused in the truth of the gospel and the fact that Jesus is who he said he is and we can do what he says we can do. And that is bring people to Christ. Otherwise, traditions are for us. And that's the problem. Third, we must choose purpose over programming, purpose over programming. This is a tough one for our society right now because we live in a society that's focused on taking. We often have quantity instead of quality. And the church has not escaped um, this particular phenomenon, especially during the time of pandemic when we're trying to get people back into the church. So we say, hey, we have all these events. We have all these amazing things. And we're trying to entice people back to the church which is a good thing, but the problem is our purpose has to be primary. It's tough. I understand that we haven't seen people in the churches all across the country who have all these members who just used to visit Bedside Baptist, and now they're full-fledged members and giving tithes and voting and all this other stuff, and we're trying to get them back, and we understand it. But the purpose is not simply to have events for the sake of getting people back. It's for the sake of purpose. For example, we have a baseball game coming up. We're going to the Braves game. I'm not saying that we need to have Bible study before the Braves game. What I am saying is we need to figure out how the Braves game helps us either connect, grow, or serve this community as well as the church. The Braves game will be in a time for us to connect with each other and grow in fellowship. We always need to make sure that one of these ideals are focused on our purpose. Otherwise, our events are just events. 
We're gathering just for the sake of gathering, and it becomes more of a social club than it does a focused, the club that's focused on saving souls and getting people back home, which is the purpose of this church, to connect, to grow, and to serve. And if we're not doing those things, we are outside of the purpose, and therefore the will of God. Last thing is we must choose relationship over ritual. Relationship over ritual. One of the most important things that separates Christianity from other religions is that we don't do things out of ritual. We do them with understanding that there is a relationship involved. We don't pray just because uh, one day we hope to be found devout and then in the next life we get some reward. We don't read Holy Scripture hopefully seeing ourselves as devout and just being a certain good Christian person or just being a person who does these things for the sake of doing these things. No, we don't do these for ritual. We do this for relationship and the hope and the knowing and in the knowledge that when we pray, somebody's listening. Knowing that when we pray, we're communicating with our Lord and Savior. Knowing that when we read scripture, we're not reading scripture just for the sake of being devout. We're reading scripture knowing full well that when we read scripture with the pure heart, the word will open itself up to us and the Holy Spirit will do something special and we will meet our God within the moment of scripture. This church is relational. We have to be relational. Christianity is relational. Tell me, what good is the spiritual disciplines if we're just doing them and missing Jesus the whole time? We're simply just doing them to mark mark checks and do all these other things based on rituals that lead to nothing. Jesus says it this way. He says, when that time comes, he will say, get away from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. I never knew you. Doesn't say I didn't understand. I didn't uh, have a grasp of who you were. He said I never knew you. And that word is an intimate sort of know. It's the same sort of know that's found in Genesis. It's the same sort of know that's uh, intentional, that's uh, relatable, that's important in how we get to know and learn and love of each other. He doesn't care that you've done all these things. God is not impressed with us doing the spiritual things. God wants us. Jesus wants you. And it's so interesting to me that he doesn't say, you never knew me. He says, I never knew you. There's a difference there. Jesus is not saying that we need to know him based off Wikipedia statistics and all these sort of things that we can find. We don't need to know the statistics of Jesus. We need to know him intimately. We need to know his voice. The Bible says that the sheep knows his voice and will come running and he will not follow a stranger. You need to know the voice of your Lord and Savior and he need to know yours. So, I know this is tough stuff, but it's fine because we'll get there together. And the gospel is found in this. I know it sounds like there's a lot of things we need to do, a lot of things we need to fix, we need to prioritize God, we need to make sure that we choose all the right things, but the good news here is, the gospel here is, he'll help you to do it. 
Jesus is not going to leave you without help. He has given us the Holy Spirit to help us and make sure that we do the right things. Because as we saw in one of the other ones, is that it's impossible for us to do this in our own strength. One of my favorite books is... um, Right now, I'm reading this, A Celebration of Discipline, and it talks about how so many people have elevated the gospel of trying hard. It's not about trying hard. It's about doing things and understanding that Jesus will fill the gaps as we do. So it says this right here, John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. God is intimately involved in the effectiveness of his church. He cares about us enough to make sure that he gets in at the ground level to make sure that these plants flourish the way that they need to. All we have to do is put better things first. Put better things first. Good things are not bad. Put better things first. And then we will find out soon enough that Jesus is the best thing that could ever happen to any of us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this time, for this moment. Help us to get it. It's tough. Help us to get it. Help me to get it. Help me to choose better. Help us to choose better things. Understanding that you've blessed this world and blessed us with good and beauty and truth and wonder. But in all of that, help us to remember that it's in you we live, move, and have our being. That you are the best thing. That your word lasts forever. Help us to trust you with our forevers. Help us to trust you with the future of this church. Help us to sit down and to reevaluate and to listen and to be intentional about making sure Jesus is the priority. We praise you for what you've done. We thank you for what you're going to do. And we give our lives to you. And we will know full well that you are indeed the only wise God able to keep us from falling and present us faultless to your throne of grace. We love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.